Hey Crosswalk, welcome, happy Sabbath, and happy new year. And I'd like to say happy new year to every one of our campuses, whether you're tuning in from Chattanooga, from Northeast Atlanta, from Clinton, Massachusetts, from Denver, Colorado, from Portland, or from our Foothills region in LA, or from wherever you are, wherever you're sitting right now, we see as a Crosswalk campus and a Crosswalk church. So thank you for being part of this community that God has been building through this very strange year of 2020. But I guess that was that strange year because now we're in 2021. And the way it works is this, either the last sermon of the year or the first sermon of the year, we always kind of give a state of the union. But today's sermon is going to be a little different. It's going to be a little different because it has to be a little bit different. Different than our usual wrap-up, different than our usual vision casting of this is what we're going to do for the year. These are the numbers that we want to hit. Here's, the, here's how everything is going to play out because the truth is we simply don't know. If 2020 taught us anything that we can take into 2021, it's that our mantra that has always been prepare, don't plan is true. And so we're going to continue that as well. Rather than talking about the challenges, rather than talking about the opportunities, and of course there are both of those things all the time, this year I'm simply going to say this. What a year we had in 2020. I've never lived through a year like that. I don't think any of us have lived through a year like that. It was wild, right? It was difficult. And I think it can honestly say that. It was a minor prophet kind of year. Have you read the minor prophets lately? Um, minor prophets have a tendency to start with a, hey God, can you explain why? And I think one of the best examples of that is Habakkuk. If you haven't read Habakkuk, you need to, right? Because this is how Habakkuk said it, because he was living through a 2020 as well. Habakkuk 1.1 starts like this, reading from the New Living Translation. It says, this is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. And he says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry. But you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. Oh, Habakkuk, did you live through 2020? And here's something that's weird about this. And we need to just own the fact that we're a community that is vastly diverse in the way that we view the world and the way that we view politics. Like we've got people from all across the spectrum, which means two things. Number one, probably making somebody unhappy no matter what it is that I say. I can own that, I can, I can recognize that. But secondly, Across the spectrum, you read this, what Habakkuk wrote, and you are going, yeah, yeah, man, I feel the same way. Regardless of the perspective that you have, you feel the same way. And that's what I love about the minor prophets. They call out stuff that we all feel, no matter what our perspective is. But you know, that's not all we say, right? Because we can say one more thing as well in the midst of this in the midst of this year, in the midst of this Habakkuk year, this 2020, we can still say that God has been faithful. Through all of this, God has been faithful. When you haven't, when I haven't, God has been faithful. Now, you may be asking, hey, how? 
How in the world has God remained faithful in this year? Because it certainly didn't feel like it. And it's a solid question. I think we can ask that. In a year that seems like everything has fallen apart, how has God been faithful to his promises? Now, in my first church, we did this thing called the, I think it was called the Special Five, where we gave a money back guarantee on everyone's tithe. And it happened the first year I was there. I was fresh out of seminary, didn't know much about church. And our pastor said, just so you know, this next year, I want to say it was like 1998. This next year, we're going to give everybody a money back guarantee on their tithe. I said, you are crazy. Because somebody's going to have a bad year and ask for that money back. Right? Well, we're not doing that. We're not asking for anybody's money back by any means or in any way, shape, or form. But you see, when we talk about God remaining faithful, one of the things we have to do is we have to manage expectations a little bit. And how we're managing our expectations makes a difference. And how do you manage expectations in your life, right? This is hard for some of us. How about when it comes to what God has promised? How do you manage expectations? Well, the first question you got to ask yourself is this. What has God actually promised? Because maybe we don't always understand what God has actually promised us. And so we feel like he's been unfaithful, even though he has been faithful to the things that he said before. Maybe we're the ones that are confused. So how has God, these are maybe ways God, you know, this is maybe stuff God hasn't promised. Let me put it this way. You know that famous quote from Hezekiah 7.12, that he won't give us more than we can handle? Now we're all clear, that's not actually in scripture, right? There's no Hezekiah 7.12. And neither is there a promise that says he won't give us more than we can handle. But he does say that we can do all things, right? So Philippians 4.11 simply says this, not that I was ever in need for I have learned to be content in whatever I have. You know this text well. He's writing it in prison. I know how to live almost, live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then there's that famous text, right? For I can do all things. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. His power didn't, you know, live in his, in his toughness or in his grit for Paul, but on something else. God never said, I'm not going to give you more than you can handle. That's not true. But what Paul opened up our eyes to was the idea that no matter what it is, the situation doesn't determine who we are. How about this? I've heard, I've heard preachers say this, get God and get good, right? As if a trouble-free life is promised to us. Get God and get good. Well, that's not what it says in Scripture, right? Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my followers, you must turn away from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. He is saying the opposite of get God and get good. Often Jesus told people that to follow him was going to be a big problem. It's not going to be easy. We call it the cost of discipleship, right? Foxes have holes, holes, birds have nests, but you don't have a place to lay your head. It's not easy following Jesus. Or how about this, John 15, 20, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. In fact, it becomes even more clear as his ministry continued, clarifying that we shouldn't expect an easy and trouble-free life. In fact, perhaps we should expect more trouble if we are believers, if we're people who are with Christ. 
Or how about this, the promise of instant change, right? That when you come to Christ, everything will miraculously get better. Behavior, attitude, belief, finances, doubt, none of that is true. Hebrews 12.1 says it like this. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We don't need endurance if the race is not long. How long is your race? 2020 has been a marathon, not a sprint. We all thought it was a sprint, right? We get locked down in March and we're like, couple weeks, we'll make it happen. We are still in lockdown. We're still wearing masks. We're still being careful. Even though the vaccine is here for some of us and it's coming for others of us, it's still been a marathon. It is a long and arduous race. I remember watching, this was back in 1995, I think, Mark Burnett, the guy who does Survivor and all those reality shows, his first ever expression of this was called the Eco Challenge. And I remember watching it and watching these teams go through this Eco Challenge. And it was amazing, not only because we hadn't really seen television like that before. It was amazing because it was hard. I, I I just started watching this Netflix show called Alone. I don't know if it's from Netflix. I think it's from the History Channel. It doesn't matter. It's Alone sixth season. If you haven't watched it, you got to watch it. They put these people in the Arctic Circle and leave them alone by themselves, and they have to find a way to survive, and it is brutal. 2020 has been brutal. Instant change was never promised to us. How about this? Comfort, right? And when I say comfort, probably ease is probably as good a word. But Jesus never promised comfort or ease. In fact, he promised the opposite of that. I've told you all this, that you may have peace in me, says John 16, 33. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He did promise a peace in the midst of that discomfort, right? Philippians 4, 7, if I can jump there. I know I'm all over the place, but stick with me. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. A peace that passes understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ. There's this caveat there at the end, right? There's a peace that comes from living in Christ. It doesn't come from anything else. It doesn't come from overcoming the world because you won't. I won't. We don't overcome the world. We don't overcome the problems. We live in the peace that we have as living in Christ in the midst of those problems. And, and perhaps this is one of the issues of this year, right? It's been so anxiety creating for so many of us because we've been looking for saviors and salvation everywhere, but we have forgotten that it only comes from one place. Now I got to tell you, this doesn't sound too great. Why would anyone follow Christ if these are the things that are being, well, not even promised to us, right? These are the things that we think God promised us. He didn't. So what did he actually promise us? Because we can't leave you here, right? We can't leave you in the midst of the darkness. We got to give some hope. 2020 is over. 2021 is coming. It's going to be a continued marathon, but we're going to make through. The first thing he promises is that he will never leave you. This is a promise, by the way, from early on in scripture. And this does not depend on you knowing that he's there or not, or feeling that he's there or not. This comes from his promise that he will be there. Deuteronomy 31.6 says it this way. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic 
before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. But no one said this is an easy promise to remember. Sometimes God is going ahead of us so far we can't even see him anymore. But it's not that he's going ahead of us so far. It's that we're lagging behind so much. He says that he will never not be with you. He promises that God, that God promises that he will always protect you. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. This doesn't mean that he's going to protect you from every little thing that happens, that nothing's going to be bad. It's not the simple and easy life. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. You will be guarded from the evil one. You'll be guarded not just from somebody who's upset at you, but from the one who's trying to bring you down, the one who's trying to bring you low, take you away from God. That's what you will be guarded from if you give yourself to Jesus. And I got to tell you, my daughter asked me this question the other day. She says, what does it mean to follow God with your whole heart? She said, I've always been, I've always been, you know, commanded. I don't know that that's the right word. I've always been called to Give my whole heart to God. I said, what is, she said, what does that mean? Because sometimes I don't feel like, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like I've given my whole heart. Sometimes I'm not sure. Sometimes I'm wondering. Sometimes I'm scared. Listen, discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. It's not perfect belief all the time. The Lord is faithful even when we're not. He will strengthen you when we have no strength. He will guard you from the evil one. We don't have to guard ourselves. We have to give ourselves to God. Because he also says this. He says that he will give you strength for every battle. Now, included in that, assumed in that statement, is the idea that we will go through battles. I don't, I don't like conflict. I don't love it. I'll tell you the truth about that. I'd rather not have any. I'd rather not go through battles. I'd, never, I'd rather not struggle. I'd rather not do any of that. But God assumes that there's going to be some of that in our lives. But he says he will be there and give us the strength for it. And Isaiah 40, 31 says it this way. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So let me ask you, in 2020, how did you fight your battles? Did you fight them online with anger and vitriol, with an angry keyboard and an even angrier mouse? Did you fight them with love, with grace and compassion? Did you fight them on your knees, praying that God would give you strength and wisdom, courage and compassion? Did you fight them with praise? I love that song. This is how I fight my battles, right? I'm surrounded by you. What are your weapons of war as you go into 2021? Because I'll tell you what, if you had anger, if you had vitriol, if you had divisiveness, if that's all that you had in 2020, it didn't win. In 2021, you need to pick up new weapons. And they need to be the weapons that God will provide you with and the courage that God will give you and the strength that God will give you. That's more than anything that you can come up with. So you need to leave your anger last year 
and you need to commit to joy in 2021. What does he also promise us? God promises us that he will never stop loving us. He will never stop loving you. Ephesians 3.17 says it so beautifully. And may you, sorry, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Oh man, those promises are good. It's, even though it's too great to understand, right? Peace amidst the storm, a peace that passes understanding. We know that he's there. Then you'll be made complete. Have you felt like you've not been complete in 2020? With all the distancing, with all the frustration? Did you feel like you weren't complete? Because your completeness doesn't come from rules and restrictions, from regulations. Your completeness comes from God. Now, do you remember Habakkuk? That's how we started, right? It's only three chapters, so I'm going to jump to the third chapter. Because, by the way, Habakkuk's great. He has a complaint against God, and God responds. And then he's got another complaint against God, and then God responds. And then this is how Habakkuk kind of ends up. I won't read the whole thing. But this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, also remember your mercy, right? He is he's leaning on the continued faithfulness of God. You were, you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. Even when you're angry, you have mercy. Even when you're frustrated with your people, you still love them. But he didn't sugarcoat it, right? I'm jumping to 317. He didn't sugarcoat it. He recognized that things were bad. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the field is empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Listen, it can't get worse than that for an agricultural society. Everything he said is destroying their economy. It's destroying their livelihood. They're going to have to depend on each other like they've never depended on one another before. They're going to have to figure out a way to survive in the midst of need and scarcity. In the midst of all of that, and he recognizes that. He doesn't give you this picture that everything's rosy, that everything's perfect, that everything's going to be all right. What he says is this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation because his joy came from another place, not from something that could be given by the world, but something that transcended the world, something that was bigger and better and longer and greater. And then he says this in 319, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights and then he says, by the way, for the choir director, 
This prayer is accompanied by stringed instruments. And I kind of love the fact that it ends that way. Because, right, the complaint, he didn't say that at the beginning. The complaint is like, God, what is going on? We are falling, things are falling apart. You need to figure this out. And at the end, he is saying, the Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as the deer, able to tread upon the heights. Oh, and by the way, sing this part. Sing this with us. This part is meant to be said along with stringed instruments, with music, with people singing. Because the only thing that transcends difficulty is the strength and courage that comes from God that is expressed when we worship. We're supposed to sing this. And listen, I don't know what's going to happen over the next year. I'm, I'm done with predicting, that's for sure. But I know this, in 2021, we will find the songs to sing. We will find how we can praise the Lord together, separate. It doesn't matter. From the depths and from the heights, we will open our hearts to our perceived enemies and find common ground. We will heal and we will grow together as we have always done. We will lose some who do not want to make the journey with us. We will gain some that are pulled in by the irrepressible joy that we find in one another, whether we're together or not, however that works out and however that plays out this next year. But we know this. God will be faithful in 2021. The commitment we have to make as a community is that we will be faithful to his calling as well. We will be faithful to what he is asking us to be, which is a community of belonging. And some of us are going to have a lot of apologies to make. And some of us are going to have to be incredibly gracious. But that's what we're called to. That's how we as followers of Christ live. We live beyond what is expected of us. Remember when I talked about managing expectations? I hope you understand this. 2021 could be a hard year, but there will be joy. 2021 could be a, you know, I saw this meme online and it said, remember, Mad Max happened in 2021, if you remember that movie. That should frighten us all. I don't know what's going to happen but we will find the songs to sing. We will pick up the weapons that God gives us, not that the world gives us, but that God gives us, gives us with his, which is joy and hope and grace and compassion and love and justice and mercy. Those things that we've always talked about here at Crosswalk, these are nothing new. These are the things that, will, that got us through 2020. And these are the things that will catapult us through 2021. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to commit this January to praying every single day for this community, for every single crosswalk. When I say crosswalk community now, I'm talking about a big group of people. Pray that this group of people will find their way through, that this group of people will find their way back together, that this group of people will continue to honor God by creating communities of belonging throughout this next year. I want you to pray every single day for the next 30 days, all through January. It starts right here. It starts right now. Let's bow our heads.
God of the new, God of the new year. We're sitting here January 2, hoping and praying for something better. But Lord, no matter what, we're going to lean on you and your faithfulness. No matter how often we've been unfaithful, we want to thank you for still being here with us. And no matter how 2021 plays out, Lord, we believe that there is a great trajectory of joy in every life because you're in it. And so, Lord, give us the songs to sing. Give us the tools that we need to grow and to thrive. And Lord, as always, thank you for loving us so well. We pray these things in your holy name, the name of Jesus, who is all. Amen.